everyone, and welcome to the first official episode of the Humane Nation podcast. I'm your host, Allie, and I am very excited to start our first discussion topic with you today. I am so excited to be even starting this Humane Nation in general. But first, if you haven't already listened to our introduction episode, please go ahead and check it out first. In that episode, we talk about the purpose and goals behind Humane Nation, in addition to what you can be expecting from this podcast. It's really not hard to find. It's just the short little episode right before this one. All right, I think that's about it. So now that we're all settled, let's dive into today's topic. Today, we're going to be talking about kitten season. Maybe you've heard of this already. Maybe this is your first time hearing about kitten season in general. Personally, I just learned about kitten season maybe about a year ago. Well, today we'll be talking about what kitten season is, the impact it has on shelters and small rescues, and tangible ways we can help with this furry phenomenon. So first, what is kitten season anyways? It sounds very cute and positive, right? You might just imagine all of these adorable little kittens everywhere. But unfortunately, it's not as cute and adorable as it sounds. Yes, there seems to be a lot of kittens everywhere, but not in a fairy tale kind of way. Kitten season refers to the time of year, usually between March through October, sometimes even April through October, I guess, depending where you are, where cats become more likely to mate and have kittens. Although this can really happen any time of year, but it's more prevalent March through October. The reasoning why behind this time of year is so popular for cats mating is likely due to the warmer weather in most places, coupled with better access to food. There could be multiple reasons behind why this time of year is so active. <laughs> but to summarize, kitten season is a time of year when cats are more likely to mate and have kittens. And again, usually it's between March through October, though sometimes April through October. So let's move on to why kitten season has such a direct impact on shelters across the nation, maybe even across the world. I'd love to hear if other countries experience kitten season, and if so, what is it like? If you're from another country and you've noticed kitten season impacting your community, I'd love to hear about it and to know where you're from. Here in the U.S., we do have communities with cats that roam freely in the streets that don't necessarily belong to anyone. These fuzzy friends are commonly known as feral cats or street cats. But more recently, animal lovers are trying to shift their name to community cats, which I think gives them a more positive acceptability in society. Between unspayed or neutered community cats, outdoor family cats, and indoor female cats in heat that manage to slip out the back door, you can begin to imagine how this scenario could get a bit out of hand. Not to mention, on average, cats give birth to about four to six kittens per litter. They have about a two-month gestation period, and cats can get pregnant as early as four months old. And just the cherry on top of all of this, 
female cats can get pregnant just about one or two months after having a litter of kittens. Okay, I know this was a lot of information, but let's try to put this in perspective and say Sadie the cat got pregnant in March and just gave birth to her four kittens in May. Four months later, in September, and Sadie's kittens have mated with other cats and each had four kittens. So that's now 16. Meanwhile, Sadie's about to have her second litter of four kittens. And by December, Sadie's first litter of kittens will have their second litter of kittens, each having four kittens again. That's another 16. Likewise, Sadie will have her third litter of four kittens before the end of the year. So in total, within just a few months, that's about 44 kittens from one cat. Now, if you got completely lost in this scenario, please know you are not alone. It was a struggle trying to figure out how to even create this imaginary scenario. But this story didn't really take into account the chances of a higher or lower litter number or the chances of death among Sadie's kittens. But you can see how just one cat can bring in a radical amount of kittens into the world. Now times this story with just five other cats and you will have hundreds of kittens within the span of a few months. Shelters and rescues are not equipped to care for that many kittens, especially if they are neonatal kittens and need to be bottle fed. Shelters don't have the room or the staff to care for a copious amount of kittens like that. Unfortunately, that's why bottle-fed kittens have been known as some of the more likely group of animals to be euthanized in shelters. Now please do not get me wrong, I am not trying to paint a bad picture of shelters at all. There's really only so much they can do. I think for most shelters, euthanasia isn't the first choice, but if they don't have the help or a foster home lined up to care for a litter of kittens, then realistically, there really isn't much they can do. Bottle babies need to get fed consistently about every two hours when they're very, very young. And as they get older, the time between feedings gets longer, but it does take a lot of work still, especially for an overworked staff that is already caring for dozens of other animals. So knowing this information now, you might feel motivated to help the cause. And the good news is there is plenty we can do to help lighten the burden of kitten season on shelters. These ideas range in prices and commitment level. So the first way you can help is by fostering a litter of neonatal bottle kittens. This is definitely on the high end of the commitment level meter, but you are quite literally saving a life. It might take a little time to get used to the feedings, but like most new things, it'll just take a little bit of an adjustment. If you choose to foster kittens, I highly, highly, highly recommend checking out The Kitten Lady, aka Hannah Shaw, her website and YouTube page. She does an incredible job explaining how to care for neonatal kittens and seems to have answers for just about any question you might have while caring for the kittens. She has a lot of experience in this area, and I found her videos and website articles to be very helpful, and I hope you will too if you decide to go this route. 
So if you decide to foster kittens through your local shelter or rescue, they may provide you with some kitten formula and bottles, which is great because that's one less thing you have to think about. All right, so we know not everyone would be comfortable with fostering kittens, and that is totally okay. There is still plenty more that we can do. For example, our next idea is donating to your local shelter or rescue. Now, donations can be monetary, or they can be donations of goods. Some shelters will actually have Amazon wish list set up, which is super useful because you can just order it from your home and it goes directly to them. Easy peasy. You don't even have to leave your house. You can even give your local shelter or rescue a call and ask them directly if they need supplies for kitten season. They may say they need KMR powdered kitten formula or even small animal bottles for feeding. These types of donations are especially helpful because they directly assist with kitten season efforts and is one less thing the shelter needs to buy with their already limited funding. Another way you can help with kitten season is by adopting a kitten or two from the shelter. And you may notice I said two because actually sometimes two kittens are better than one since they can use their kitten energy on each other. If you're not really up for adopting a kitten and that type of energy level, check out their adult and senior cats because they're often overlooked, especially during kitten season, and deserve a home just as much as the kittens. Plus, moving older cats into homes opens up more space for the shelters. If you aren't in a position where you can foster, donate, or adopt, maybe you can consider spreading the word about kitten season. The neat thing about this is that you can do this in a whole variety of different ways. You can write a quick post about kitten season on your Facebook or Twitter, perhaps make an eye-catching infographic for your Instagram, and if social media isn't really your thing, call up a friend or family member and share the information with them. Another idea is helping your local shelter or rescue's TNR program. So in case you don't know what TNR stands for, it means Trap, Neuter, and Release. This type of program is great for community cats because they wouldn't really otherwise get spayed or neutered. Plus, this type of program helps with decreasing the kitten birth rate while keeping community cats in the community and not stuck in a shelter where they really wouldn't do well at all. Community cats are sometimes not good with people and therefore they would really struggle to get adopted in a shelter, plus already just be super stressed being in a shelter environment. Now, not every shelter may have a TNR program set up already, and if that's the case, you can chat with them or your local rescue about how to get one started. And if your rescue actually has one started, maybe you can ask them for tips so you can help get one started at your shelter. You see, there is plenty that we can do to help spread the awareness and lighten the load of kitten season. Teamwork in this instance really makes a difference. Now, I think it is important to mention what to do if you happen to come across kittens. I know this is going to be really hard to do, but don't immediately think that they've been abandoned. Their mother just might be around looking for some food, 
or maybe she's in the process of transporting her kittens to another safe spot. But if you see a kitten or a group of kittens, first see if the mother's around. If the mother is not, then you can start visually assessing the state of the kittens. Are they crying? Are they wet? Do they look dirty? Also, assess the location of the kittens. Are they in the rain? Are they by the road? If the kittens aren't in a dangerous location or wet from rain, keep an eye on them and wait and see if the mother comes back. If after a few hours the mother hasn't returned, then it's possible that they have been abandoned or orphaned. In this case, you can intervene. But it is so important to stress the fact that kittens have a higher chance of survival if they are kept with their mother, which is why it's important to first check for the return of their mom before intervention. Well, I hope this episode helped shed a little bit of light on kitten season and the impact it has on shelters. Luckily, there are so many things we can do to help lighten the burden of kitten season on shelters and rescues. Well, as you guys know, here at Humane Nation, we want to celebrate your adoptive foster pets at the end of every episode. So to get the ball rolling, since this is our first episode, I'll share one of my rescue pet story. Our cat, Cookie, (laughs) has a pretty unique background. She wound up at the shelter while she was pregnant. And we aren't too sure if she had a family before or if she just kind of lived on the streets, but they do think she had had a litter of kittens already before. So it's likely that she was an outdoor cat. I work in a department at a university that houses a pre-vet program. And before I started working there, my boss wanted to adopt a pregnant cat so her students could listen to the kitten's heartbeats. The admin at the time was going to take Cookie home after she gave birth to her kittens and after they were all weaned, but things changed and she wasn't able to take Cookie home. So once Cookie's kittens were old enough, they were all spayed and neutered and adopted. I think they were all adopted by faculty and staff at the university. But sadly, Cookie couldn't go home with the admin, so she became the office cat. And I had heard that students had been really rough with her in the past and weren't very nice, which obviously Cookie became very grumpy and really didn't like it there anymore. When I started working there, she was still pretty grumpy, but she would nap on the office chair next to me. And sometimes my boss would ask me to feed Cookie on the weekends. So gradually she would get used to my husband and I more and more. Once COVID hit, I felt really sad at the idea of Cookie being alone at the department, locked in the lab, except on the occasion when someone would come in and feed her. So I asked my boss if I could take her home. And when we brought Cookie home, it took her a little bit of time to get comfortable, which is completely natural. But that night, at one point, she hopped in bed with us as if she knew she was with her new family. And she still sleeps with us in bed at night, by the way, which I think is super cute. She has blossomed into such a cuddly, goofy, and sweet cat, and we just love her so much, and I'm so glad we were able to bring her home. I remember Cookie checking me out during my job interview, and I never thought she would end up being our 
our first pet as a couple. Although technically my boss adopted her, we are very, very happy to be her forever family. If you want to share your pet or foster pet story, please go to thehumanenation.com and fill out the form called Feature Your Pet. Again, that's thehumanenation.com and it's called Feature Your Pet. All right, well, that pretty much wraps it up for today. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time.